This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Never podcast with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello, welcome to tonight's show. I'm Jamie Smith. My guests this evening, James Bird and Joe Patterson, will kick off by having a chat about Saturday's game 3 1 win against Millwall. Um, terrible, terrible conditions at Turf Mojo. I don't know about you, but I've only just got dry. Yeah, we're pretty, pretty cold as well. It's absolutely horrible. I've don't think I've actually been that cold at a football match ever, so all credit to the lads for managing to get a result. Um, James, what did you make of our performance on Saturday? Um, I thought after the first half an hour we were absolutely fantastic. Um, Millwall were pretty decent early on, um, but I think after after we equalised, it sort of tailed off for them from there. It was a slow start, wasn't it? I noticed that we, we were much more keen to keep the ball on the ground and build up really patiently with um, the weather. I think we were just trying to keep the ball out of the, out of the sky and out of that wind. But we did get caught out and it was another goal from a set piece. Joy, it was a, a really soft goal again to concede, wasn't it? But that really woke us up for the rest of the game. Yeah, it made us um, play a little bit better after that. I thought we didn't start the game too badly. Like previous weeks where we'd just been awful for the first 15 minutes. But that goal came. I thought it was a soft free kick. That probably shouldn't have really been a free kick, but it, we got the header away and they got the second ball and put it in back in there. It was a good finish, by the way. It was a very good finish. Martin Wolford, I had a, one of my friends is a York City fan and he used to rave about Wolford when he was there, claimed that he could play in the championship and I, I used to rubbish those claims, so I gladly admit to being wrong about that. It was an excellent finish. I thought Duff, James Duff could have maybe done a little bit better with a clearing header, but I suppose with the, the conditions, it's difficult to be too critical. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to to blame people for not getting things clear properly when uh, when it's as windy as it was uh, on Saturday. It is uh, uh, another goal from set pieces, though. It must be becoming a, a little bit of a concern. Um, yeah, to say how, how few goals we've conceded, it is worrying that now so many are coming from uh, set pieces, especially when. Um, when you think of Michael Duff and Jason Shackle, you think of two centre halves that are, are reasonably reasonably dominant in the air, and uh, you really wouldn't expect to sort of be conceding much from 
from set pieces when you got those two in your side. Yeah, we spoke about the set piece thing on the on the podcast with Dan from the Burnley Express last week, and it, it's it is alarming that this keeps happening. But I suppose if we're going to keep on scoring three goals a game, which we have been recently, then we'll probably get away with it. Um, Joe, we'll talk a little bit about Danny Ings. Two two more brilliant goals for him. He's in incredible form, isn't he, this year? Yeah, awesome. That's all I've got to say about that one. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Hey, Tony, um, he's been awesome all season. And that's really one word to sum him up. Awesome. He has been absolutely outstanding. And the, the first goal, James, the, the one on the volley, on the turn, a typical Danny Ains goal in some respects. In that it, it came from nothing, really. It didn't look like there was anything on, did they? Yeah, it was a fantastic finish. Um, I think he said that um, Trippier used the wind for that pass. I'd say maybe Trippier got lucky with the wind. Uh, <laughs> uh, but obviously he picks it up well and, and turns and finishes excellently. And from there, it was it was basically one-way traffic, wasn't it? It could have been probably 3-4-1 by half-time. Obviously, Ings missed that penalty that I thought was maybe a little bit of a soft one, but there were numerous other chances and we really went through the gears. I was impressed with the way we responded to going 1-0 down and made sure that we were ahead again by the break. And a, a fantastic goal from Dean Marnie, of all people. Yeah, I think um, on the penalty, it was, it was a soft one. Ings goes down a bit after the ball's gone and I don't think anyone really claims for it, but obviously he'll be disappointed to have missed it. Um, I think he, he said the last time he missed it was a similar sort of penalty and he put it in the same spot. Um, all I would say is I think um, the keeper was quite a bit off his line before it was hit, which obviously does give him a. Oh, yeah, a there was a there was a there was a picture online, wasn't there, of the some of the defenders encroaching that maybe stopped things from knocking in the rebound, but that was basically pretty yeah. standard behaviour. I think it would be a bit unfair to complain about that when I'm sure our yeah, defenders did the same. It wasn't really a penalty, I don't think. It's probably fair. But um, I mean, Dean Morney's finish was an absolute peach. I had to, uh, I had to look again to make sure I was right and, and thinking who scored it. Um, I think it's no coincidence he switched from the plain black boots and put some fancy ones on, and he scored that sort of finish. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise it was Morney at first either. I saw it go in with the left foot, and I thought maybe it was Sam Volks. But when Morney wheeled away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Dean Marnie scored a goal. I'd only been criticising his shooting on Twitter the morning of the game as well, I think. So maybe I inspired him. And the third goal, Joe, what a pass from Kieran Trippier was absolutely outstanding again, as we've come to expect. A wonderful ball for Danny Ings. Yeah, um, best. He's got. He's in double figures now for assists, and it just proves the, how good and how effective Trippier is to our attacking player. Uh, 50-yard pass, it, to get it straight onto Ings' foot, that's perfection, really. And then Ings just did the rest, and it was game over by then. I was really impressed with the way we started the second half. We must have known that one more goal would kill it off, and we attacked really hard, and it was good tempo until we got that goal, just to make sure that we got the point sealed. But absolutely glorious pass from Trippier. And although it, it looked like Ings didn't have that much to do, it's terrific control, isn't it, James, to bring down that ball from so far away in those conditions as well. And then just a little top-up finish between the goalkeeper's legs. Um, yeah, it was an absolutely, absolutely fantastic, fantastic finish. Um, I think it was 
ridiculously audacious to to even play that pass over the top though in those in those conditions. But um, you know, I think it maybe that works in uh, Ings's favour as well. The defenders maybe a little bit wary of the wind and uh, gives him a, probably a bit too much space to take that down. And uh, the keeper possibly could have come out a bit earlier um, because the time he starts moving, he just gives Ings perfect opportunity to knock it past him. I suppose any defence that gets caught out with a pass from that far away is going to question how they're defended against it. But the the pass from Trippi was just so pinpoint. He landed it on the penalty spot from in his own half. She's just outrageous, and I thought he was absolutely terrific all game, Trippy. We've come to expect these levels from him, but I felt sorry for their winger in the end, Joe. Every time he tried to come forward, Trippy just nicked the ball off him, and then he was off on the attack again. Yeah, he was like playing as a second winger, really. He didn't really have to defend much, and when he did defend, like you said, the winger couldn't get past him. Oh, We've spoken a bit about Trippy before on the podcast and, and talked about how we're over-reliant at times on, on his creativity from the back. But when you've got a player in that sort of form, as we've seen from Trippier, of course, he took the, the non-ever Burnley Express Player of the Month award catchy title um, for January, just by the odd vote, actually, from Sam Volks. But absolutely deserved after that goal against Huddersfield on the, the opening day of the year as well. I thought Trippier has been brilliant for the last few weeks and... Unfortunately, it's probably a, a matter of time until he moves on. We can only hope we get promoted and can get him tied down to a new contract. Um, game tonight in the Championship, actually, if you're listening live, Monday night, is QPR away at Derby. Two teams who are behind us in the table at the moment. Burnley went second after the win at the weekend. just want to talk to the panel, really, about what would be the, the best result for that game tonight. QPR would obviously go above us if they get a draw, but... Would it be better for, for Derby to catch us up, maybe? What do you think, James? I mean, personally, I'd, I'd prefer a draw. Um, even though Derby, Derby go above us. I mean, that's sorry, keep your go above us. That just stops either team getting momentum. I think Derby obviously had a lot of momentum uh, running into Christmas and they, they managed to lose that. And I don't think you really want either team to sort of get into a stride and particularly for QPR, you know, if you get a, a big win away at Derby, um, that could put them onto a good run. And I think we'd rather see them sort of um, stuttering a little bit. Of course, we're playing tomorrow night as well, so that gives us a chance to go back second no matter what happens tonight. Um, Joe, what do you think would be the best result for us tonight nil. in the, the Derby-QPR game? Nil-nil. <laughs> Straight in there, nil nil, no goals. Players getting injured and sent off yeah, all over the game. Yeah. <laughs> that that'll be perfect. And what do you make of the promotion race as a whole? I've had you on the podcast, so um, get your thoughts more in general. Leicester obviously dropped some points at the weekend for the first time in a while. Do you reckon they're too far clear now for us to worry about? Is uh, it between us, QPR, and Derby for second place now? Do you think? Yeah, I've been um, saying to a few mates of mine that. Leicester, it's only Leicester's to lose now and Sean Dyche had really stated that in his interview with BBC Lancashire before the game on Saturday. He said it's about time Leicester should be getting promoted, not when Leicester get promoted. Not not if Leicester should get promoted, if that makes sense. He's, so, yeah, it's between us, QPR and Derby, I'd say, for second, but I'd also watch for Forest, but I think they've got a little bit too much to do. 
Forrest has certainly got an interesting um, squad down there, but I don't think they've really gelled yet, have they? James, you've been a, a beacon of positivity on the No Name Ever podcast in recent weeks, especially balancing out some of the comments I've been making. Um, what, what do you make of Leicester dropping those points at the weekend? And do you think do you think these other teams around us are going to put pressure on? I suppose it's it's in our hands now, isn't it, that we back up to second? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if we, I think if we keep playing the way we've been playing, um, you know, I don't think anyone will be able to look past us for second. Uh, you know, you could argue we, we deserve more at QPR. Um, certainly the last three or four games, I think we've been fantastic. And uh, it is a case of, I think, maybe Leicester at home and dry unless unless they slip up. Um, which, you know, so looking at the fixtures, I, I think they're probably uh, going to cruise home, to be honest, um, with their toughest game sort of really being coming to, coming to our place. Um, but you know, you look at the table now. We're second. Um, we've still got a lot of those teams sort of up there to come to the turf. Obviously, Leicester have yet to come. Derby, Forest. I think if you beat those three, um, it'd be hard to argue with us finishing second. That's an excellent point about the fixture list, and of course, Burnley so good at home now, dating back to last March, the last defeat at Turf Moor against Hull back then. I think he's nineteen games a new post-war record. So nobody's going to fancy coming to the turf for a, a, a result. And of course, QPR, earlier in the season, we beat them and Leicester, Forest, Derby, all still to come. So chances to get points up there. Plenty of comments from people listening live on the Non and Ever podcast tonight that we'll go through now. Um, going back to the Millwall game that we did at the top of the show, Gang said it was a brilliant performance under the circumstances. Paul says the conditions were shocking and it was a great performance. Dakery says Heaton had no chance with their goal but our defending just wasn't good enough I think that was fair Duff maybe could have got a little bit more on the header for me Paul says it was the first home game in the ages that he's been to he was really impressed and it's a pleasure to watch Danny Ings Jack says the conditions weren't great for Danny Ings his penalty the wind was blowing to the keeper's right it was highly highly likely he was going to hit it into the bottom right hand corner Ganks on Ings' second goal says it was pure quality. The touch to take it down from the ball from trips is one of the hardest skills to perfect. It's technically brilliant. Paul says trips is an unbelievable player, amazing control and finish, breathtaking. And um, talking about tonight's game, Derby against QPR, we've got Jack saying he wants a Derby win. Paul wants a draw, points off both teams, and Roger says Derby win. Um, so a good mix there. Ganks says Derby win tonight as well. And Dakery says he can see Derby winning. And Roger points out that Leicester fell apart this time last year. So that's a possibility. Um, Joe, just to come back to you on the, the promotion race, there was a, a football manager simulation recently that had us losing to Blackburn in the, the playoff semis. Wouldn't that just be the most awful thing that would ever happened in the history of football? Um. In the, losing in the playoffs to Blackburn, yeah, but the final would be even worse. I wouldn't want a fancy tripping down to Wembley and get beat off Blackburn. We'll never hear the end of it. I think that arguably losing in the semis might be even worse, actually, just because the expectation, I think, we'd probably go into that game as favourites, depending on what happens in the in the game at Ewood in March. Um, yeah, um, you say we'd go their favourites if you finish above them but anything can happen in the playoffs I was I was having this debate today with a, a friend and he said 
wouldn't would you either lose in the semis or the final? And I said, uh, the semis really, because you don't want to go all down to Wembley. Just think of the Sheffield United fan. One of them said to me in the service station before the game, it's going to be your unlucky day. And I just laughed at him. I knew we were going to win that day. And to come out of Wembley with, with that winning feeling, it was just the best day ever. It was pretty amazing, but I just think like the expectations last time were, were so much different because we sort of snuck into the playoffs and gone on the run at the end of the season. I, I didn't really expect anything from it. I just wanted to go for the experience and hadn't even really thought about the, the consequence of the actual match. But I think this time, assuming we finish, it could be a surprise to see us any lower than that. I think we probably will be favourites for the final, especially with the, the experience we've got from the recent playoffs. So if we were to lose that after being favourites, that could be really, really hairy. Um, a Blackburn-Burnley final would just be absolutely terrible. How how would they police that, James? We're going to talk about the arrangements for the the game at Ewood in March, but you imagine like 80,000 people going down to Wembley from East Lancashire. It would just be I, I an absolute it, nightmare. I think it would be totally unpoliceable. Totally unpoliceable. It's, it's not even just the getting them down there. It's, it's when they're in the vicinity of Wembley. I mean, I think we've seen in recent years that um, the Met maybe aren't as good at public order as they think they are. Um, and I think some of the stuff they've, they've failed to deal with, student protests, I think would probably pale in comparison to uh, 80,000 Lancastrians uh, upset over a game of football. Um, so I think it would definitely be a difficult one. I think they'd... Uh, there'd be a lot of head-scratching over how they were going to enforce their preferred method of shepherding fans to games uh, when it was down at Wembley. There wouldn't even just be the the policing in London to think about, though. You've got to think about all the all the service stations on the M6 that would be people stocking up on beer for the coaches and stuff. There's all sorts of potential flashpoints there. Um, Adam, our producer, just suggested that they can move it to Old Trafford, which I've mentioned to other people as well, but I think that would just be just be tricky to organise and everyone likes the Wembley showpiece. So uh, I don't think it would be any better, though, would it, either when you think about how you know the, the fans around the ground afterwards. And also, I think Wembley's probably the best stadium set up for splitting the crowd in half, sort of from internals. Um, Whereas Old Trafford obviously is normally set up for just a home team with a small away away following. Yeah, I mean that's a good point as well. I suppose if they did have it at Old Trafford, we're getting very ahead of ourselves. By the way, talking about a Burnley Blackburn playoff final, this is all well, yeah, because we're going to go like, second. So well, yeah, if we don't win the title, that is. <laughs> But yeah, if they were kicking off at three o'clock in Manchester, that just gives so much drinking time for people. It could be an absolute nightmare. While we're talking about Rovers, actually, this is a good time to talk about the, the arrangements for the game at Ewood in March. And we've got the same same deal we've had for the last few years. It's going to be compulsory coach travel from Turf Moor with a pickup at Clayton on the way, I think. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fans unhappy with these arrangements, but we saw recently, Joe, the, the fans smashing up the, the miners after the Sheffield Wednesday game. It just gives the police a reason to have these arrangements, doesn't it? But it, it is frustrating that the vast majority you just want to go and watch a game of football. Can't. Yeah, yeah I'm not going. I'm, I don't think I'll be going. 
watch it on TV. Why not? I don't want to be bussed around like animals. The police have, police have just want an easy life. I won't be going either, I don't think. I mean, I live in Leeds at the minute and even looking at trying to get to Turf Moor at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, it's not possible with all the the difficulties that there are with the trains at the minute, so I'll be the same. I'll give it a miss and watch it on TV. Um, James, what's, what do you make of these police arrangements? Of course, we've seen today as well, the club has stood up to the police regarding the, the kick-off time of the Leeds game. Police wanted that game's kick-off early, and the club basically said, no, we're going to play it at 3 o'clock as normal. So the club has stood up to the police on this, but the Rovers game's a different different story, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're seeing a, a bit of a second wave of football clubs standing up to uh, standing up to policing arrangements. I know uh, previously, I think it was Leeds or Wigan or something like that who complained about how much they were paying um, and sort of kicked back a little bit. Um, and I think we've sort of seen that again this time with the, the Newcastle Sunderland statement after the police bizarrely said they'd never had any influence on kickoff times. Obviously, Newcastle and Sunderland basically turned around and said, well, if you've never had influence in the past, next time we'll make our mind up with the TV and league and play it whenever we want, and you'll do what you're meant to. Um, and I think that's a little bit of what, what the club have done with the Leeds game. Um, obviously, for some reason, I can't really think why, to be honest, Leeds is not Blackburn. Um, they've suggested that it gets played at, at lunchtime, and the club have said, well, you know, we're paying you to provide the service. Um We'd rather play at three o'clock. I think that they might end up using the Leeds game as a as a bit of an example as well. I think if we can get through this Leeds game, kicking off at three o'clock, as as it should be, with plenty of Leeds fans coming in for the game, you'd hope that if there's no trouble next season, if we play Rovers, which hopefully we won't have to, but next season maybe we won't have this ridiculous bubble situation again, and it. It will be interesting to see what the clubs themselves actually make of these arrangements because they yeah. haven't said anything publicly, but I can't imagine that they're impressed with the vast majority. We've got to keep stressing the vast majority of Burnley fans and Blackburn fans just want to go and watch a game of football and to get treated like a criminal all day. It puts a lot of people off and it's just a shame, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the... I don't want to miss us beating Rovers for the first time in 30-odd years, but neither do I want to spend all day getting shoved around like cattle. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a big part of what angers fans so much is um, football such a safer day out now than it, it was in the past. Um, yet in the past, they never really went to such such extreme measures of, of controlling fans. Um, you know, I think fans have shown that uh, the vast majority are just there to enjoy football games and, and not cause trouble, you know, and, and most people are there to watch the game in the spirit it's meant to be uh, meant to be observed in, but... They are the odd idiot that sort of ruins it for everyone, but I think the the sort of policing measures have been completely ill thought out, and they're just far far heavier handed than I think you need. I suppose the the police do have an excuse, don't they? Though with with the thing that happened at the miners after the Sheffield Wednesday game and last year when Burnley fans were ripping up seats in the James Algarve stand, it just gives the police a reason to have these measures and it is a minority but unfortunately yeah, supporters but I, don't always help themselves by doing this I think um, there is a, a pattern to that minority though as well isn't there that 
you do wonder if some of these people are the, the ones who um, should be picked up as sort of when they have the police intelligence they talk about. And I believe there was trouble as well at one of the Blackburn games, even when fans were busting. So that just shows that there's people there who don't really care whether they're going to the football. Um, they want the they want their fight against their opponents. They, the result's probably secondary to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've got this theory that police should just set up a fighting zone for, for <laughs> games like this and anyone who wants to go and have a fight can go and knock each other's heads off. Yeah, you can nick him on the way out. Zone yeah. And everyone else can just go and watch the football. Cuff them all on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've got some comments on this on the live chat. Um, Dakery says that the prices are a rip-off as well. He points out it's £38.50 for over 15s. No student prices, no youth prices. Um, concessions are thin on the ground at Ewood, so it is a lot of money as well. Um, Jack, bless him, he says he's not allowed to go because of the arrangements. <laughs> That's a real shame. Like I say, like, for people who don't live in the area, it's such a kerfuffle. It basically means you need to spend the weekend in Burnley rather than just being able to travel for the game. It's absurd, really, and it will be interesting to see the ticket sales with the fact that it's on telly as well and you can just go down the pub and watch it and not have police shoving you around all day. So, yeah, extremely interested to see the ticket sales for that game. Uh, We'll move on now to tomorrow night's game. Bolton away, our game in hand um, after it was put back because of the FA Cup games. Really, really big game with QPR not playing and Leicester not playing as well. So, Burnley really need to get that win on the board, Joe, don't they? Make sure we keep QPR behind them. Not worry about what's going to happen tonight and just make sure we get another three points on the board, keep momentum going and keep that second place. That's all Burnley can do, just worry about themselves. I think we'll win tomorrow night, though. Um, We've not won at Bolton for a while and it's about time we do. Couple of ex Burnley players in the Bolton squad, of course. I think Mears is out of favour there, but Chris Eagle should be in the Bolton side. I'm sure he'll be up for the game, won't he, Joe? But he probably won't get in our squad at the minute, would he, Chris Eagle? So looking back, we're probably well shot of him. Um, ben May will chip a nail and then he won't be interested for the rest of the game. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope that's the case. If you're not going to the game, by the way, we'll have live updates and chat and all the all the bants you could wish for on the non Ever live blog, which will be from about half past seven tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night. Bolton against Burnley. Um, James, just to come to you on this game, um, Bolton not doing anything like as well as as I was expecting. I, I don't know about you, but like 19th in the table, it's the sort of game on paper that you'd expect us to win, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, uh, you look on paper as well and you, you see the side they've got, the players they've got, got in that squad. And it's absolutely unbelievable. They, they are where they are. Um, yeah, I don't really know what's sort of gone wrong there. Um, there's a lot of money being wasted, I'd say, probably. And uh, you do wonder whether it's a case of, you know, having players who just don't really fancy the fight anymore. Uh, there might be something in that. I mean, I was filling in a, a Q&A thing for a Bolton website today and looking through their squad, they've got so much Premier League experience in that squad and so many players you would expect to be performing right at the top of the championship and for some reason it's just not happened um, at the weekend actually Dougie Friedman the manager at the Reebok was listed on their team sheet as acting manager 
which is probably not a very good indication of, of how secure his position is. And maybe a defeat tomorrow night could spell the end of his time in charge. Oh. Bolton, Joe, they find it really, really hard since getting relegated from the Premier League, haven't they? Of course, Owen Coyle was manager there and couldn't get it promoted again, but they've continued to struggle this season. That's why they found it hard. Owen Coyle was in charge, but yeah, this season. <laughs> um, but this season, yeah, I don't know what's gone on there. They spent, they haven't, they skint. So, um, but the players they've got in that squad, they should be at least round the playoffs. I know last season, um, Roch Daly and Craig Dawson turned the season about, but um, they tried getting him back this year, but they can't afford him apparently. So. I don't know what's going on there. We'll just have to beat them tomorrow night and hope they go down. I think we probably all won from the first day of the season as well. I thought we were really unlucky not to win that game. And I'm sure the players, although it's a while ago now, I'm sure they'll be aware that Bolton are one of the few teams that we haven't beaten yet this season. So there's motivation there as well as the fact that QPR could possibly go second tonight. So we'll have second place up for grabs again. A really big game, and like I say, you can follow the action with us live on the No Never live blog from around half past seven. James, I think you'll be around doing commentary for us, will you? You're going to be breast, uh, blessed with my. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be breast. I'm thinking about that chicken casserole I've got here. <laughs> uh, I'm really hungry. It was it was probably ready about 20 minutes ago, so <laughs> I'm definitely thinking about that. No dear, um, I can't yeah, believe you just said be, breast on the podcast. <laughs> I'll be blessed with my uh, with my comms and uh, maybe a bit of cheese duck. Good job, good job. I'm going then. <laughs> oh dear we've got some comments on the on the Bolton game to move away from um, James's slip of the tongue there Roger says Bolton are going to be difficult to beat they'll set up to defend and will be hard to break down but he still thinks we'll do it 2-0 Jack says last season Bolton turned their season around after beating us so will it happen again I hope not that's an excellent point Dank says the reason Bolton's struggling is they've got too many overpaid prima donnas and Paul says it would be a great time for Danny Ings first hat trick Ings's form is really strange. He's, he's scoring like every week at the minute, but he's at 21, obviously, still very young, James, but hasn't got a senior hat-trick yet. And I think he's got five or six braces for us. Do you think maybe it's a little bit of a mental blockage now, just not being able to get the third goal? I don't know. I think he's, I think he's been really close sometimes, but uh, I think it is really frustrating him. And that could be part of why he's, he's now struggling to sort of get that, that final goal. I mean, to be honest, I think if he, uh, you know, if he if he scores the penalty on Saturday, he's he's got it, and that's probably the the weight off his mind. But um, you could see later on that he was sort of really trying to to get himself into a position to get it, and I think um, I think it's probably not a problem for him until you get to about the 80th minute, and then he's probably really thinking, oh, "I'm running out of time. I need to need to get a third. And he does sort of start to stray a little bit from playing his game because he's he's desperately trying to trying to get the ball somewhere he can do something with it. You maybe start trying a bit too hard in that situation, don't you? I think one of the great things about Ings for me is that he, he's so instinctive. Like you, you can't tell what he's going to do, and that makes him incredibly hard to defend against. But if he's if he's looking for the goal all the time, then it's maybe a little bit easier to defend against. You can't be too critical, of course, about him because if he's on for a hat trick, Joe, it means he's got two, which probably means we're ahead. So it's not yeah. like we say Danny Ings he hasn't scored a hat trick yet. What's he playing at? It's just <laughs> know, curious yeah. that he's got so many goals but no hat tricks yet. 
If it weren't for Bywater, though, with that header he saved from the corner and then that penalty saved, then he would have had the hat-trick. So he's creating chances for himself. He'll put one of them away and he'll have the hat-trick before the end of the season. And um, we've got to mention Andy, our regular contributor, who's not been well, unfortunately. Get well soon, Andy, if you are listening. At the start of the season on the Non and Ever podcast, maybe even the first one that we did looking back, he said Danny Ings is going to get 40 goals this season. And we all laughed at him because it sounded ridiculous. He said Ings will get 30, 40 goals, Burnley will get promoted. And we all thought it was absolutely daft. But Danny Ings has got 24 now for Burnley and we've been told we've got to count the two that he scored for England against San Marino as well, so that's 26 for the season. We're already in February. He's got a fair chance of getting that 40, hasn't he, James? And Andy Devaney will just be laughing at us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment, you, uh, you probably don't want to probably don't want to bet against him. Um, I can't remember what, what the rest of the championship top scorers look like at the moment, but um, I know that earlier in the season, some people got ridiculous odds on... Uh, Odds on him, on him uh, coming out top, and uh, I think there's only Ross McCormack ahead of him now. And uh, you know, if he if he keeps it up, I think he's uh, he's going to run in close. I think Ings is on 19 at the minute, and McCormack's got 22, so he's a little way behind. Hopefully, with all the the off the field stuff going on at at Leeds, that'll make it slightly more difficult. Um, to be honest, I don't think Sam Bokes is even really out of the, the picture for that because I think he's on 14, isn't he? So, I mean, it's not bad if you've got um, that that many goals between two strikers. No, you're absolutely right. Volks has got 14, so a couple more players ahead of him, um, Jordan Rhodes and Dave Nugent. Actually, I had Sam Volks' first goal on Saturday and Burnley 3-1, so let me down, Sam, although I thought he played really, really well again, so I can't be too critical of him. I actually got Ings at thirty-three to one. I think it was a couple of games into the season, but I know people who've had a tenner on him at fifty to one. So they'll be keeping their fingers crossed that he can come up with a good. So I've got him each way. So a good few quid come in for me at the end of the season if he can do it. But I won't be too upset if he ends up a bit short with 28, 29 goals this season. It'll still be a fantastic return. I suppose looking ahead, though, Joe, we've got to be aware that. He's not going to be around forever, is he, Danny Ings? I suppose chances are we're going to lose him in the summer. Maybe even if we do go up, uh, I don't think we will lose him in the summer if we do go up. I think he'll want to stay and play in Premier League for Burnley. But if obviously if someone like Liverpool, like has been mentioned, comes along with a silly bid and he don't, he's not wanting to sign a new contract, then he has to go. I think signing Ashley Barnes. I think if he starts playing regularly. Um, I think he'll, him and Vokes will be a partnership to be reckoned with. Like, and hopefully Ashley Barnes can hopefully score the goals that Ings have been scoring should he move on in the summer. You certainly expect we'll get plenty of money for Ings if, if and when we do sell him. So there should be money for a replacement. But it, it's good to see as well that we have started planning ahead with Barnes coming in and we've got Vokes on that long-term contract. So we are... We are planning ahead for an, an Ingsless future, although, of course, hopefully he will be playing in the current blue for plenty of time 
to come. We are going to end the show soon so James can get back to his casserole. Um, so he doesn't start talking about breasts on the on the show again. So we'll just do a couple of predictions for tomorrow night's game. That's Bolton v Burnley before we wrap up. Um, and a reminder that we will be doing none and ever live tomorrow with me and James for all the live updates. Joe, we'll come to you first. Give us a prediction for tomorrow night then. 3-1 Burnley. 3-1 Burnley. Same as Saturday and another three goals. We've scored three goals a lot recently. James, what about you? I'm going, to, I'm going to be bolder than that. I think uh, we've got a clean sheet. Um, we need a clean sheet, I think. And uh, 3-0. I'm going to be a little bit of a pessimist. I'm going to go one all. I think it'll be a, a repeat of the scoreline from earlier in the season, the first day of the season. Um, that's it for today, then. Thanks to James and Joe for joining me. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, like I say, we'll have the known and ever live blog on tomorrow from about half past seven me and James doing all the updates and all the chat and all the cheese related jokes you can handle and the podcast will be back next Monday night when we'll have a couple of games to talk about Bournemouth away at the weekend of course um, reunited with Eddie House that will be an interesting one I think Ian Creamer is going to be our guest next week and of course if you have any feedback about the show please do get in touch because um, we are trialling a shorter new format at the minute so any comments you've got, any suggestions for how we can make it better, please do get in touch. You can email us at blog at net, or you can tweet us at net even as well. We're always looking for feedback. So thanks a lot to James and Joe for joining me tonight and join us tomorrow night for No Name Never Live. Good night. You've been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit net, And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at net. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.